Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Wednesday, May 11th. We got a special, special guest today. Listen, I'm pretty thrilled with how this podcast has gone for two years. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I guess I can break a little news here. We're, we just got signed to do a third year. Um, things are going well. Almost 500 podcasts in the can. And this is the exciting news. When you look at the range of guests we've had on this pod, okay, former NBA assistant coach, we've had a comedian, we've had an actor, NFL first round pick the day before the draft, Heisman Trophy winner, on down the list. Well, obviously, we're going to do insiders, guys who cover the league, gamblers, blah, blah, blah. It's just a lot of fun, right? Obviously, connecting with the audience is number one, but also finding a diverse, wide range of guests is key, hopefully, to make you, make you guys more informed, smarter, and today's guest fits all those. Samuel Porter, a guy I've known for a long time, 
co-managing partner, owner of Nicoxa. Yes, the soccer team I bought into. We'll get into how that went down, how I became owner of a soccer team, how he wrangled Ava Longoria, Mesut Ozil, uh, who else? Sean Marion, uh, Richard Jefferson. It's a pretty awesome story. I think you guys are really going to like it. And we do have a wealthy audience to to an extent here, certainly based on people I've heard from, uh, not only via social media, but also um, in person. Um, and, you know, I think you guys are going to really like this, the direction of this uh, this conversation with Sam Porter, a guy I've known for probably seven or eight years now. But before we get to Sam, a couple quick notes on the NBA. It was a crappy night in the league. Two games. Mavs lose by 30. Yes, 30 points. And the Sixers one-upped them and lost by 35. So as good as the games were on Monday night, the games on Tuesday night were equally as rotten. Now, the Mavs game was a little interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, they led after the first quarter. It was a game for a half. Then they give up a 17-0 run, and Phoenix runs away with it. The weird thing is, when you look at what happened in the final like three minutes, it was garbage time, and there's a lot of backups getting in arguments, and you had a couple players ejected, and then they ended up going down the same tunnel on accident. And I don't know if it was on accident or purpose. Marquise Chris, who rarely plays, former, I believe, lottery pick, gets into it with Biombo. Marquise Chris, I guess, followed Biombo down the tunnel or went down the wrong tunnel. And security like sprinted in to potentially break up an altercation. Kind of bizarre. And then after the final buzzer, there were words exchanged at half court. It was all guys off the bench. Although Biombo has been kind of a, a resurgent factor in the series inside. Played 21 minutes, 7-7, seven and seven, plus 20. Although everybody on the Suns was plus a lot. And, you know, listen, Luca was really good. But they got to get other guys involved. You can't have six assists through three quarters. And expect to compete. Like, that's just not going to cut it. Uh, Luca was very good. But you know what I did? The small thing I noticed about the Suns. Their defense, when Luca goes to the air, you usually have a lot of people watching. And Luca's able to find the open three-point shooter. It seemed to me that everybody stayed at home and the three-point shooters were hugged up on at the line. As such, Dallas, 8 of 32 from deep. Uh, Reggie Bullock, a goose egg. Dorian Finney-Smith only hit two. Kleber hit one, Bertans hit three, and Spencer Dinwiddie was a train wreck again. Feel bad for the guy. Like, this is supposed to be him establishing himself as a number three. And, I mean, he's definitely not the number three. Tim Hardaway is going to come back and be either the two or the three. We'll see what happens with Brunson. But it, it, was, it was a bad game for the Mavs and also a bad game for my wallet as I bet the Mavs. Yeah, listen, you're not going to have a winning night every night in the NBA. It's just not going to happen. I did not, fortunately, bet on the 76ers, who totally no-showed, down double digits, I think, the entire two final two and a half quarters. Like, it was it was an embarrassment. And B got hit in the face. He was bad. Tyrese Maxey didn't show up. And oh, by the way, the Heat played defense. Um, the scary thing about both these series, if you're a Sixers fan and if you're a Mavs fan, when it's a 2-2 series... Whoever wins game five wins the series 82% of the time. I can see the Mavs winning at home. I can see the Sixers winning at home. Will either of those be able to pull the upset in game seven? My guess is people would think Philly has a a better chance to do it. Although you got Doc Rivers working against you, a not healthy Embiid. 
James Harden's history of meltdowns in important games. Hey, game four, James Harden can go nuts. Go off, James Harden. Can we see what's going to happen for James Harden in game seven in Miami? It could be tough. I'm just saying, um, Kyle Lowry did not play for the Heat. Oh, by the way, it didn't matter. Max Struess, who I think was delivering DoorDash like, you know, two years ago. 19 and 10. I saw a crazy stat. Max Struess, of all players, leads the entire playoffs in plus minus. Max Struess. That is, that's crazy. All right. Without further ado, let's get to our guest, Sam Porter, the co-managing partner and the owner of Club Nicoxa, a soccer team I'm a small percentage owner of in Liga MX. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, it's time to welcome into Straight Fire a guest. I hyped him a little bit uh, this week. I've talked about him uh, in, you know, hushed tones here on the podcast for a while. But I've known this guy... I don't know, seven, eight years, maybe I met him when he was an NBA agent. Now he is the owner of a soccer team in Liga. I mean, he's just such a big deal right now. Sam Porter. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank you. Over, overseas. I'm not, not a big oh, deal. Please come on. This you're, you're the type of guest that a lot of people want to get on because you know, the inner workings of the NBA, MLS, Liga MX, the top soccer league in Mexico. I mean, you're where a lot of people want to be, owning a soccer team, making decisions on the roster and the GM and the coaches. And like, this is just an, an opportunity for a lot of fans to really talk to somebody on the inside and get an idea of how the heck they got where you are. Because that's where everybody wants to be, right, Sam? I, listen, I, sorry to hype you up a little bit much, but uh, you got an awesome job, man, and a great career. Yeah, great job so far. Uh, really fun to work in sports. Uh, keeps you busy 24-7, as you know. And, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. Or The best thing I would say about kind of being in the sports industry is that it touches on so many other things. So if your interest is finance, there's a lot of financial-related aspects of the job. If your interest is on the pitch and dealing with players and agents, You've got that as much as you want. You've got real estate development. You've got, you know, international communications, media rights, all these different things. So it's an industry that has a really uh, broad sort of purview. And, and you can really find, you know, within that space, what you're most interested in or, or best at. And you have this uh, penchant for being early to things. Um, obviously, Liga MX, you were the, you know, the first basically American ownership in in the league. Um, a couple of other endeavors that we'll get to. But I want to turn back the clock way back. Uh, you, St. Joe's College. And, you know, you're, obviously you're a smart individual. But did you have an idea of what you wanted to be? Because I don't know what, five, six years after college, you're an NBA agent? Mm. Well, yeah, I... 
I was, so I went to St. Joe's university. Uh, I, when I was there, St. Joe's was really good. We were, you know, uh, perennially in the NCAA tournament. We had Jameer Nelson and Delonte West and those teams. So we had an undefeated by senior year. We were uh, undefeated in the regular season, went into the NCAA tournament as a one seed, uh, lost a heartbreaker in the elite eight to Oklahoma state. And, uh, you know, I was really into the team, um, never good enough athlete myself to certainly play division one hoops or anything, but love, love basketball. Um, probably the, the sport that I, you know, liked the most before, uh, I got very involved in, in soccer. And, um, at the time, you know, these early two thousands, I really hard to think about a career in sports. I was a double major in political science and history and, uh, or, and, and international relations. And I was just, I was kind of focused on going to law school. I was pretty sure that's what I wanted to do. So uh, after after college, um, I worked at a law firm for a year and then went to law school. And uh, while I was in law school, I went to law school with an idea of, you know, kind of seeing where things went. But I, I, I thought that I might want to get into commercial real estate development. And mm-hmm. I got an internship at a sports agency. And in New York City, a large agency that represent a lot of NFL players. And I was kind of one of those things where I got in there and it was kind of like, oh, like this kind of felt like I was around like-minded people. It was a high intensity kind of fast paced workplace. And um, you got, I got to use a lot of the skills, uh, you know, that I was learning in law school at the time and also using kind of interpersonal skills and being around that um, the action of, of being around athletes and, and negotiating contracts and recruiting and all the things that come along with it. So it, it, um, developed while I was in law school, I stayed at that agency and, and kind of one thing led to another. I worked with more and more players and I, uh, at the end of law school, they said to me, like, Hey, we, we'd be interested in you staying on full time. And I said, I, I am interested in that, but I want to, I went to launch a NBA or a basketball division of the agency. And so I basically went out and just started recruiting and, you know, potential NBA players and, and, and signed some guys that uh, played in the NBA and signed guys that played internationally. A lot, a lot of guys that played internationally had a big practice in Europe and Asia and also had, you know, guys on NBA teams um, that were doing really well. So it was, it was one of those things where, you know, I just kind of, I, I kind of went for it in that space where I found an opening and, and it kind of wasn't always easy, but I just kind of kept, you know, working on the next player on the next deal and, and kept my head down and, and was really grinding uh, during those years. Yeah. It sounds like the idea of get in the building, learn what's going on and then see what you can do and what, what, what you can provide uh, of assistance. And they didn't have anyone doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you got a bunch of NBA players and that's how I met you. Now you, you say you had some NBA guys, but also the international guys, they can make a lot of money playing overseas. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I had guys in China, Philippines, Australia, uh, and you're and a lot in Europe. And I mean, you have, you have guys in, in, in China at the time, I, I don't know exactly what it's like now because I'm pretty removed from it. Um, but you know, at the time there were, you could make more money as a good player in China than you could as just being like a minimum guy in the NBA. Now mm. that comes with different uh, things that different people value, but there were a lot of players that could have had a minimum NBA contracts or, or near minimum NBA contracts that preferred to make, you know, considerably more than that in international markets. And I had a bunch of guys on, you know, Euroleague teams that were doing really well financially and, and guys in Asia as well as, as well as the NBA guys. So it was a, um, what was really great about it was a working with the players and helping them develop their careers. But beyond that, I got a real view into 
sports outside of the U.S. And, and um, it was I had a, a client in Germany that I was visiting, and I went to a, a, a soccer match, a football match in Germany, and met with the president of the team. In, in a lot of European countries, they the the teams are you know, quote unquote clubs, which means it's a sporting club like Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich. They're clubs where the, the, in those countries, the, the soccer team, football team is the headliner, but the basketball team and the handball team and the volleyball team all play under that same banner. And so uh, I, when I was in Germany, I went to a, a football match and there I was there with the president of the club and he was telling me, you know, what their what their budget was for their soccer team versus what it was for their basketball team. And I started to think maybe maybe I'm in the wrong sport because <laughs> I really dawned on me how big soccer was globally, how significant the whole uh, ecosystem of, of money within soccer was. And so I started, that's when it real my, my sort of gears started turning on, on that uh, sort of as a, a sport that was maybe undervalued in the U S. And, and so that whole experience led me to really thinking about soccer in a way that maybe wasn't being thought about by a lot of people. Obviously there was people in the soccer business for a long time, but, but, you know, for me, it was a, an eye-opening experience. Yeah, and I think that's when I met you. You were, like, not quite transitioning from hoops to soccer, but it was, like, 2014, 2013, 14, 15. In that area, you had an international player that was in my town in Pennsylvania, and then we connected, and you had known me through the big lead. And I think that's when you were moving to D.C. United to kind of get into soccer. But what okay. I liked was your move was not, like, just strictly, like, oh, I'm an NBA agent going to be – uh, now a soccer guy, you went to business and legal affairs using the law background, which gave you basically, you know, an awesome opportunity to go up the ladder pretty quickly, huh? Yeah, I would say, you know, it, 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 at the time, 2014 was when I joined DC United. And I think since then, that was you know eight years ago, the MLS has grown a lot. And, and, and any of these teams, um, if you get, you get your foot in the door, just like the agent business and you start to figure things out and you see where you can add value, where you can become, um, you know, a, a sort of value creator. Uh, and, and so at, at DC United, I had a relation, a pre-existing relationship with a managing partner and main owner, Jason Levian. And, uh, I, I went in there and DC was on the precipice. DC United was on the precipice of doing a lot of big things and had already, started working on the outline of what it would look like to build a stadium in downtown DC, which eventually became Audi field. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I brought to the table, I think at the time was the ability to look at things through an agent's lens, player trading in any sport in the NFL, the NBA, major league baseball, whatever playing trading players and building your roster through free agency or the draft or whatever is very important in soccer. There is a draft in MLS, but it's largely a almost a always fluid free agent market that is that is always kind of, um, you know, you can you can make a lot of moves really quickly. And I, I think at the time there was value in somebody coming in who had who had spent time as an agent and being able to come to the other side of the table and negotiate, you know, on, on the team's behalf, but from, you know, kind of knowing all the, the tricks of an agent and understanding their perspective and then also taking those skills and transitioning them into negotiating with the District of Columbia and other stakeholders around the construction of a you know, $500 million stadium that was public, 
private partnership to, to get done. So that was really a huge you know, part of my uh, arc at DC United. Yeah, I got to know you a little bit better. What I wrote a piece for the big lead on Bill Hamid, the, the goalie yeah. who, you know, had a cup of coffee with the U.S. national team. And then yeah. one of my friends from uh, my hometown ended up marrying a D.C. United player, you know, so Amazing. I became like a big D.C. fan. And then the next thing I see, they got Wayne Rooney. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is one of the, you know, of my generation of soccer players. Wayne Rooney had to be up there as one of the biggest names. Would, would you would you say that's that's accurate? Last 25 years of soccer? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Wayne's the all-time leading scorer for the English national team. He's the all-time leading scorer for Man United, you know, arguably the biggest club in the world. So Wayne is a huge deal. So when we were uh, working on finalizing uh, Audi Field and scheduling its opening, there was a lot of data that we were looking at. And that was some of the highest percentage of, of soccer fans in the D.C. metro area. So you're kind of Baltimore South to Richmond, Virginia, uh, that area, those fans really like the EPL. The EPL ratings are always high in that region. Um, and so when you're thinking about an international star, at that time, Zlatan was playing for LA Galaxy. You had had uh, Pirlo play for NYC FC recently. Um, you had had recently um, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lamp Lampard in the league. And so when, when you're an MLS team and you're thinking about one of these you know, slightly older superstars, um, you're, you're taking a risk and you've got you've to think about a lot of things. So you've got to think about the fans' perception. First and foremost, you've got to think about what they're going to do for you on the, on the pitch. And, and you also have to think about how are the economics of that player, which are going to be drastically different than any other player on your team, how is that going to impact the company's financials? I mean, because these are, these are big bets and, and yeah. the, you know, it's all pretty significant relative to, to revenues and, and value add. So with Wayne... Uh, it was a situation where we had paid a lot of attention to him. Our, our same ownership group at DC United also owned Swansea City in, uh, in English football. And we had seen Wayne go for Man United. And then he was on a, on a deal with Everton, which was his original professional club team. And we knew that, you know, maybe there was something there. He was still playing for Everton and doing really well. He was their leading scorer. But he was on really high wages at Everton. And we thought there might be an opportunity. Uh, to be totally honest with you, when we first started talking about Wayne Rooney, it was like, you, could we really could we really get Wayne Rooney? And then, you know, we went and we met with Wayne and we met with his agent and we started a dialogue and it seemed like there might be a chance there. They came over and toured the stadium and we talked about what we were working on building. And I think that Wayne and his agent, Paul, um, both remain friends now, um, are were, were really impressed with kind of the direction of D.C., the direction of MLS. Um, the region, the quality of life, all these things that go into it. Wayne uh, has four sons and, you know, they, they need to play school in place. They need to go to school and play soccer and do all these different things. So all that was all taken into account by them. So, so throughout um, kind of the first half of 2018, we were working on that deal, working on that deal. And then we, we got, we got across the line and Wayne played in the first ever match at Audi field. Uh, we won the match. Um, and then he went on to have a really big, you know, season, and uh, and a second, I think, not quite as good, but second, really solid season in MLS before he went back to uh, to England yeah. to per really pursue manage being a full time manager and raising his family uh, in England. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm obviously following from L.A. I'm seeing Rooney, and I, I remember like a legendary goal he had from nearly midfield um, it, that, that was all over, highlights everywhere. And I'm, I'm texting you, and I'm texting the D.C. United player I know. And it was just like, this guy knows what he's doing. And then, you know, I would say, I don't remember exactly when it was, Sam, but you brought me uh, the idea that, hey, there could be an opportunity to invest in a Liga MX team. And you couldn't tell me, obviously, because it was a, a, a buttoned up plan. But I'm, of course, you know, I tell the wife, like, oh, we got we got to get ready because we had already done uh, an Australian basketball team investment with you. And that's fun and exciting. But this one was like, you know, closer to home, uh, a little more money and a higher profile. And I start doing research and I'm combing through the teams, looking at the owners, trying to guess. And eventually, you know, Tell me how that came to you and how you kind of discovered it, because this is the part of the podcast that I know people are waiting for. How the hell do you find a team with a great business opportunity? Do you look at the PL reports, the stars, the location? Like, what are you looking for? Because there's a high barrier of entry to get into uh, the top soccer league in Mexico. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. And, and yeah, we, we, we're, we're both uh, investors with our, our mutual friend, Matt, in the New Zealand Breakers, which, you know, I think has a couple of really exciting things on the, on the horizon as far as the NBA draft goes. And, and then uh, so we knew each other, you know, we had done that. And then on the on Liga MX, it's, it's something that I, I was always this is something that that kind of led me out of being an agent, right? Because an agent, you can only represent so many players mm-hmm. and it's hot, it's high touch. And if you represent the rock or you represent Brad Pitt or something, okay. Or you represent LeBron James, like that one guy is enough. But if you're, if you're a typical agent, you've got a lot of yeah. clients and there's only so many hours in a day. And so I always found that the, the, the struggle with the agent business is it wasn't really scalable. And, and so for me, the kind of concept of scalability has always been something that has been really interesting to me. So when you, when you own a team or you are in a league team structure, there is the ability to effectively sell the media rights, the rights to watch your, your game, the games that your club plays. And yeah, you have, you, you have kind of two businesses. One is the, the match day business, which is, is sweets, seats, food, uh, beverages, you know, match day sponsorship, all those things there's a finite amount that you can sell for that because there's only so many seats in a building and only so many, you know, hot dogs or beers or whatever that you can sell. However, the media rights, you can sell, you know, kind of an infinite amount or however many human beings are on the earth, if there's interest in these people watching the, the, the games. So that led that whole concept led me to starting to think about and look at uh, viewership and where is the viewership. So, so you start in the U S and you go, you look at NFL viewership. I think this past year, 75 of the top 100 things that people watched in the U.S. were NFL. Yeah. And so you start to think like, okay, people are watching the NFL a lot. Then you look, okay, the next thing is the NBA. Um, they watch a lot more NBA playoffs than they do regular season games. Okay, then the next thing, and you go next thing, next thing, next thing. And you start to look, okay, soccer specific, soccer is the most, most watched sport in the world. Um, who has the highest ratings? Okay, the EPL. Uh, La Liga in Spain, you go on down the list. And then uh, you look at US specific viewership and Liga MX was number one. And it wasn't <laughs> like Liga MX was number one and MLS was behind it by 50,000 viewers a match. It was number one in overall eyeballs by a significant margin. And EPL was number two. And then MLS was number three. 
And Liga, M uh, Liga MX was more had more viewers in the U.S. in the U.S. alone than than EPL and MLS combined. Wow. And the EPL is getting significant media rights fees from the U.S. market. So I just started thinking, like, okay, what's there? There's there's something here. Um, I, I had been in the industry in a time where people had bought NBA teams for $300, 400000000 million prior to the Bomber-Clippers deal uh, for, for $2 billion. And, you know, you saw N NBA teams go from being teams that people could buy for $400, $500, million, even Atlanta Hawks was, I think, in the seven $800 million range, to all of a sudden every NBA team's over a billion dollars, many over $2 billion, and – and what's that based on? That's based on viewership and growth of viewership, both domestically and internationally. So knowing those two things, that viewership is important, and knowing that sports uh, team valuations can grow rapidly when when you know people realize the the scarcity value and the upside of the economics, um, I, I, I couldn't, I can't buy an NBA team. You know, I don't have two billion dollars. <laughs> so I'm, I started thinking about where where is the value, where is the growth opportunity, and um, because I was working in MLS, I was seeing a lot of what was going on in Mexican football. The two leagues are, are pretty, they play each other in cross competitions. There's friendlies. Um, obviously, the U.S. is a very important market for Liga MX. So for me, it was something where uh, it just started to make sense. And then from dealing with player agents, I knew I had relationships in Mexico. So I just started talking to people and saying, what's What's the, you know, what, what teams are potentially for sale? Some of these teams won't trade. Some of these teams are, you know, over a billion dollars in valuation themselves. So, you know, where can you find, where can you find your spot? And, and um, you know, over the course of a, of a process, um, I found, and, and with, with, with my partners and other, others, um, you know, found Club Nicoxa. And, um, you know, we, we started talking to the existing ownership, the family. It was a single family that owned the club. Still, there are partners there now. And we were able to, um, you know, get to a deal. Yeah, I met some of them at the MLS All-Star game yes. uh, out here in L.A. And it's funny because I go, you know, I go to the game. Obviously, you were there. I went to see you. And, you know, I know you put together a diverse group of owners, uh, Ozil, Eva Longoria. And then I walk into the box and it's like Richard Hamilton and Sean Marion, former NBA yeah. All-Stars. I'm like, yeah. oh, geez. I mean, I knew there were some heavy hitters, Sam, but goodness. Talk to me about how you put together this diverse group of owners like how does one approach Ozil and say, "Hey, we're going to be buying a team. Any interest? What do you? How do you do Ava Longoria?" Yeah, it's a great another great question because um, it is pretty unique. So, so Sean Marion, I've been friends with for a number of years. Uh, Matrix tricks, I call him. He's he's the best. Um, awesome guy. Um, I had a I had a client on the Mavericks when when he was on the Mavericks in 2013. I met him back then. Um, we've we've always gotten along really really well. He's super supportive. Um, he made a lot of money in his career and he's a very, he's, he's, he's a very thoughtful investor and has, and he, he has a vision for things that he's interested in. So Sean was kind of the first guy that I went to and was like, what do you think about this? And he was like, this is great. I didn't, I didn't know Rip Hamilton before Sean and Sean said, listen, I talked to Rip a lot. Could I, would you be interested in having him in the group? And I said, yeah, listen, a huge Rip Hamilton fan. Uh, my mom's from the same town in Pennsylvania as Rip. Um, and, uh, you know, that Rip and I hit it off when we first spoke and he's like, Hey, I'm interested. So have, have Sean and Rip there. And then, 
Eva's super interesting because, you know, she's probably the most involved of any of the celebrity, you know, quote unquote, celebrity investors. She's Mexican-American. She spends a lot of time in Mexico City. She's very knowledgeable about the league. She's awesome. You know, she's super high energy. She does uh, a million things. She has her own tequila company. Um, she, um, Casa del Sol, shout them out. And uh, <laughs> she... Um, She's just amazing. She does it. She does a lot of stuff and she's, she, she watches every match. She's very involved. And um, so she, she came about because my partner and, and co-managing partner on, on Nakaxa is a guy named Al Tylus. Um, Al is very philanthropic. He has a family foundation. He does a lot of stuff. And so he's met a bunch of people through that world. And when we started talking about okay, we're going to buy the club. And we were, we were happy to buy the club anyway, make the investment in the club, um, you know, to have 50% of it uh, anyway. But then, you know, it was, it was an idea of like, hey, maybe if we bring in some celebrities and some friends and family, maybe there's, there's some, you know, you get synergies of bringing in partners. And we were like, who would be the absolute kind of best Mexican-American celebrity? And Eva was, was like, on our our minds of like she was sort of like the ideal person and then we spoke to her and she was really in, really into it and so she came on board and then with with mezit um mezit ozil you know a former arsenal player uh german national team player won the world cup with germany real madrid um you know kind of a, a modern day superstar player huge Legend. hundred plus million super uh, social media following i've known his agent uh erka Sogut for a long time um, Urquhart and I met, uh, when we first acquired Swansea in 2016, um, he is, he's a friend, he's a really smart agent. He's somebody who I think does the agent business a little bit different than others. So, um, to be honest, before I left DC United, uh, I, I tried when, when Mezit was, was going to be leaving Arsenal, I tried really, really hard to sign Mezit to come to DC United mm. in the end, uh, a Turkish team, Fenerbahce, put together a crazy offer. Mezid is a Turkish German. His wife's from Turkey. His mom's from Turkey. In the end, he went to Turkey instead of coming to DC United. But during that process, I had known Mezid for a couple of years. I, as I mentioned, I known his agent for, for several years. And through that process, um, I said, hey, listen, you know, wasn't able to sign you at DC United, but is this something you'd be interested in? He was like, this is super interesting. We went through it all and, um, and Mezid signed on. He's been extremely supportive of it as well. So um, all, all of our celebrity investors are real investors. There's not like, hey, do you just want to put your attach your name to this? Everybody's committed to it. They've invested money in it. They um, they think about it. They are, you know, give feedback on the reports that that, that they get. So um, it's it's been a really good group. I think we got we got really fortunate with with the group that we put together. Uh, um, I, I love that. Uh, I know that some people are going to be listening, and being like, okay, dealing with MLS contracts is one thing, right, in America. But man, I, I mean, Sam, I got a couple friends. Who, when I say, oh, yeah, we're going to Cabo or whatever, they're like, you go to Mexico? But what about the cartels? How sketchy? And I'm like, come on, guys. I actually told them, if listen, if Nicoxa had won their first playoff game, they lost to PKs, I would be going. And they're like, really? I was like, of course. And, and I'm just curious, from an agent perspective, dealing with contracts in Liga MX, how different is it than, than MLS? Yeah. So, I mean, it's very similar to MLS. It's very, it, a, it's very similar to MLS. I mean, same agents, same players, the players go back and forth and not, not, not all the same. Right. But like a lot of players who have played a lot of the players, if you look at the rosters of many MLS teams, you're going to see a lot of guys who spent time in the MLS uh, or in the league MX and vice versa. There's a lot of, and a lot of those guys have the same agents. So you're dealing with many of the same agents. You're dealing with many of the same players. A lot of these guys are, 
Mexican players, a lot of them are Mexican-Americans who have dual passports, and a lot of them are from Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Peru, you're, you know, uh, mostly South American players. And so you're dealing with a lot of the same agents, um, and you're dealing with a lot of the same things. They want compensation, they want agent fees, they want length of contract, they want this, then that, and the other thing. And you've got to manage it all, regardless of if you're doing it in the MLS or the EPL or Syria or uh, that's the great thing about soccer is it, it's it's very global and like you can have a player that one year is in Mexico and the next year is in Italy and you can have a player who one year is in MLS and the next year is playing in first division in Germany and just got bought for millions of dollars like it's a it's a very fluid market that I mentioned before and and the things tend to be the same and, and just to touch on your point about safety and and like things in Mexico I, I spent a lot of time in Mexico City the past year plus. Um, I find it to be very similar to being in a Rome or a Paris or mm. something. It's a huge city. Um, if you are in the right neighborhoods, I, you don't really feel any sort of concern of, of safety. I mean, it feels like doesn't feel all that much different than being in LA or New York. Yeah, if you there's some cert, certainly some bad neighborhoods where you wouldn't want to go to, but I think that's true of any major city. And I, I've never, I haven't had any sort of you know, uh, scary situations or, or unfortunate sense that that we're that we're in an uncomfortable or, or dangerous situation. So I, I, I personally, I mean, obviously, everybody can look up crime rates, incidents, whatever, like things yeah. happen for sure. But but like things happen, you know, the media covers things in certain ways. Uh, you know, I, I think Mexico, there's there's a certain amount of things that you've got to keep an eye out for. But just like anywhere else, you know, you know where to go, go there at the, at the right times. Don't don't, you know, do anything. And anything stupid and i think you're going to be okay yeah. i mean you know lightning can strike in any situation but yeah. it's a it, it's a country that i feel very comfortable and the people are super nice super welcoming and, and hospitable and I, i've had a really um unbelievable experience doing business there so far yeah. it's weird because uh during covid in the last two years out here in la you know the crimes picked up a lot and I got friends and my brother sending me stuff about how L.A. is like the purge. People are getting robbed in the middle of the day in Beverly Hills. Oh, my gosh. How are you? Are you going out in L.A.? And I'm like, dude, we live right right here. It's it's not that bad. And again, obviously, L.A. is not yeah, the media is sensational. Wherever it is, the media, yeah. L.A., uh, you know, crime, you know, New York City. How can you like? Yes, there have been there's been a, a national crime surge in COVID. And and, and I think anywhere you go you know, the kind of the same rules apply, you know, and, and just be smart. And, um, but for me, I think traveling to Mexico, I've traveled there with, with my family. I have young kids. I, I, it has not been something where I, I'm like going around with huge security teams or anything. It's, it's been very comfortable so far. We could start to wrap up uh, like, I guess a couple questions that, you know, everybody gets excited about the future, right? And obviously, you know, this is an investment. You love soccer. I love soccer, but people can see kind of the writing on the wall, right? Uh, World cup coming to North America, 2026, um, Liga MX suspends relegation. Uh, a lot of, you know, dots are being connected to potentially a, a Liga MX joining forces with MLS. As you noted, MLS is struggling from a TV perspective in America. Like they're, they're the third banana behind Liga MX and EPL. And it's like, well, geez, if MLS combined forces with Liga MX, maybe there's something for both, a win-win for both. And again, that's deep on the horizon, but you know, how much does that factor in when you're doing, you know, uh, your, your legwork before we bought the team? Uh, I think that the World Cup in 2026 is a, is a massive inflection point, because if, if you think about it, the World Cup was was in the U.S. in 1994. And 
out of that, the, the MLS was born. So, you know, the World Cup is, 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 you know, the biggest sporting event in the world, happens every four years, and it's a major, it brings with it some, some major implications where people, interest in soccer really goes up, especially in our country. And I think this is, you know, it's been, you know, it'll, it'll have been 32 years since the last World Cup in the U.S. And I think it's going to be major, 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 because there's been a whole, you know, generations of new soccer fans who have come up with the availability to be able to watch uh, international soccer. When, when I was a kid, um, and I'm not, I'm not that old, but when I was a kid, you, you couldn't, you don't, on the, on the weekends, you woke up, you turn on the TV, you're not, you don't have EPL, La Liga, all these different options. It was just not a thing. So now there have been multiple generations of, of kids who are like, they know all the players on West Ham or, or whatever. And, and, and so I think this World Cup is going to be huge. I think that in the lead up to the World Cup, we have, there. it's already been announced, but there's a new new property, new event called the Leagues Cup, which is going to be between Liga MX and MLS. It, it's going to be played entirely in the U.S. It's going to be all 18 teams from Liga MX. It's going to be all the MLS teams, 30 teams. And it's going to be almost a World Cup style tournament that where both leagues are going to suspend their domestic league play for a month. They're going to play against each other. Uh, group stage, knockout, you know, semifinal, final. And um, I think this is I don't know if the, if the leagues merge properly and they just become one league. I don't, I don't know if that's reasonable. And there's a lot of, um, you know, legal aspects and, and logistics that would be really tough for that to work out administratively, but it, anything's possible. But I think the leagues cup is a really good step to further the crossover between the different qualities that both leagues bring both MLS and league MX. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of MLS. Um, you mentioned them be, you know, struggling for TV ratings. I, I would say, the TV ratings may not – they're not they are not the best, certainly, compared to, to League MX uh, or EPL at the moment. But MLS does have some really – some things it does really, really well. I mean, I think it's match day a lot. You get a lot of sold-out stadiums around oh, the yeah. whole entire U.S. for MLS. You have strong corporate support, strong local support. I think that that TV viewership is sort of that, that last thing that if MLS can get, they can become a true powerhouse. And I think that League MX can, can – have a, take a lot away from what MLS has done over the past 25 years or so to, to become a, you know, a, you know, a legitimate powerhouse as far as leagues go. And now there, there's growth to be done, but I think that, you know, MLS does a lot of things really, really well. I think league MX does some things really, really well. And I think the more they cross over and play against each other and the more we borrow and, and, and exchange best practices, I think you're going to see a really strong dynamic between the two countries and their, and their top leagues. And, and, you know, I know people who listen to this podcast obviously follow NFL, NBA, every sport. And the way they cover these Liga MX teams in Mexico is like the NFL here, right? A anything yeah, that happens like is, yeah. is massive news, like lineups, uh, uh, players struggling. Like they really are aggressive, the media covering the league, which is which is outstanding for the product, right? That's how it is down there in Mexico. Sports Center Mexico, you turn, you go to Mexico, you turn on ESPN, they have their own sports center and it's, you know, the left back from Nacoxa is out for two weeks with a, with a cast strain. Here's who they might replace. Here's who might be starting in his place there. Yeah. So they, they treat, they treat the, the league MX teams. Like we treat uh, NFL teams here in, in the sports center. And, and just for, you know, for people's, you know, understanding Mexico has a population of 130 million people. That's larger than any European country. Uh, additionally, there's, a, you know, approximately 50 million, you know, give or take more 
individuals in the U.S. who identify as Mexican-American, first, second, or third generation living in the U.S. who are, you know, Mexican ancestry or still, or, you know, you know have, have just moved here or have come in the last few years or decades. And so you effectively have a near you know, 180 to 200 million person nation that, that, that goes between two countries. And this is the, this is the sport and the league that's most interesting to them and, and most that they are most passionate about and, and really, you know, is part of their lives. And so that, that's what this is. And it's hard if you've grown up as a, as you know, uh, your, your average American who doesn't have a Latin background, who's, you know, used to watching the NFL and the NBA, like, like I am, this is all kind of surprising to you, but this is a very, you know, significant league with significant uh, tailwinds and, and, and a lot of demographics that support, you know, continued growth. I guess to wrap up, there was a team that had a rough incident in uh, Liga MX this year. Queretaro, did I say that right? Yeah, Queretaro, yeah. Yeah, with the fan close incident. Enough. I did not say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but not that close. Uh, they had the fan incident. They're being forced to uh, sell the team. I am curious, like, as an owner, how closely are you monitoring the situation? Again, you're the you know first American to come in. Uh, maybe there's European-American interest in uh, this team and ownership, but like, I'm just curious from an ownership perspective, how close are you watching just to get an idea? You know, this kind of thing happens uh, in the NBA, obviously, with Donald Sterling um, and, and in the NFL, the Broncos are now up for sale. But just give me the owner perspective on that. Well, certainly, you know, anytime in, in professional sports, there are not a lot of trades. It's not like, you know, it, it, it's not like the real estate market where you can compare apples to apples and say, oh, well, 10 similar homes traded in this zip code in the past 12 months or whatever. It's something where when a team sells, it's significant news. You mentioned a couple of significant ones. You know, Chelsea just traded in the EPL. Um, the Broncos sales underway. These are things that everybody's watching, I think, who's interested in the sports business to, because all of these transactions have knock-on effects as to how it, it impacts the broader market. And so certainly I'm playing, paying really close attention to it um, uh, without betraying any confidences. You know, I, I've had a number of high-profile U.S.-based uh, sports investors with, with existing, you know, um, investments in sports call me and ask about the league and ask about the situation. And I, and I know that that situation is drawing a lot of interest from both Mexican and international investors. So I, I think that they'll, you know, something will happen there, you know, uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, I'm paying, I'm paying close attention to it. And certainly, you know, uh, talking to people who, who want to talk about it and get my take on yeah. the club and the league and the, and the, you know, the kind of the big picture thoughts. It's funny, you know, I'll just say this in closing. Sam is the kind of guy who looks ahead, right? So with the New Zealand Breakers, I believe we were the first American group to get into the league. Now, I think half the league, Sam, is owned by Americans. Uh, another group. I don't know exactly, in. but it's close to it. Yeah, it's I close don't know, to half. Yeah, I don't follow it super closely, but I know several other groups have come in. And, and I don't think it'll be so dissimilar. It'll, it, it, I think mm -hmm. that there are, I think that sports ownership as an asset class is becoming more democratized. And I think, you know, not everybody can own a sports team or be an investor in a sports team. You have to be a qualified investor. You have to do all these different things. But I think that, you know, the world where it's like, it's Jerry Jones and you own an $8 billion NFL team or, or nothing. I think there's, there's a lot of in between and, and the valuations are still significant and the money's real, but there is opportunities and they're not, they don't all have to be multi-billion dollar yeah. transactions. So um, I think that's right. And I, I think, I think you'll see, I think over the coming years and decades, you're going to see, 
Americans owning baseball teams in Japan and and uh, cricket teams in in India. This stuff is already happening. So it's just it, it's just you know where are you willing to take the risk and what's interesting to you and 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 those kinds of things. But it's it's definitely you know uh, an ongoing world of people looking for more interesting international sports properties. Yeah. All right. Sam Porter, big deal in the ownership world. I'm just happy to know you, man. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's awesome talking to you and listening. I feel like I got kind of an MBA intro here in sports team ownership. You're too kind. I, I appreciate the time and, and uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts